Hey, hey, hey. Wow. It is another Arizona Schnur Walks in the month of June. And it's June 17th. And it's 6.20 in the morning. Early. And it's still only 75 degrees out here. 75 Fahrenheit. But it's been raring to go. I got up early this morning. And there's a lot going on. A lot going on in my life, our life, shared life, your life. You know, what's in it for you? It's time to take a walk. And uh, today's topic, I think is, I, th- I think it's going to be end of life stories, end of life end-of-life situations. So, this is life's journey. Some of you are much younger, right? Much younger. So, I know when I was in my 20s and 30s, right? You just think you're going to live for quite a while. And then age keeps, clock keeps ticking, right? And uh, Bud love. By the way, Bud loves this this subject. It's like it's a deep subject, but Bud Bud looks like he's he's uh, he's all in on this subject. He's ready to go. So it's a clear sky, not a cloud out there. The sun came up at five eighteen. Wow, it's already been two hours. I was up. Did I say it was seven? No, six eighteen. It's been up an hour already. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't think I was up for two hours already. But, um, yeah, beautiful sky. There was Jupiter this morning before the sun came up. And, I'm just I mean, from the outside, if I just shut up and people walk by and observe me, it would be like, oh, man, your life is ideal. You must have it all together. <laughs> And it just ain't that way. And probably your life is that isn't that way too. So your life probably has lots of challenges. And so what do we? Who do we? I mean, do we? Does it feel good? Some of us feel better when we share those burdens with other people and talk about them. And then others just bury them inside, you know, just like okay, deal with it, blah blah blah, you know. And uh, or maybe you don't, you know diminish the pain that's i would what i'm observing is in my family what i grew up with and what i would call it describe it as like a diminishing um way of dealing with um unavoidable suffering so i i like that german guy victor frankel he he talks there's three ways to get like meaning in life and uh the first one is like doing meaningful work you know like being an airline pilot, a dentist, you're serving the community, you're doing good stuff. People need to have their teeth clean. People need to arrive at their destination safely. Could be a truck driver. Goods need to be transported and they don't need you falling asleep at the wheel and driving into a bunch of people. So yeah, number one, your work, what you do. And then number two is like experiences and people you meet. So that's another 
helps with meaning, connection, connecting with people. And the third one is the one we don't like to talk about, which is our attitude toward unavoidable suffering, right? So, so that, and that is weird. It's like, I even have to think about it again. How does that bring meaning to your life, right? So there's unavoidable suffering. We all, that's what I've kind of referred to earlier, is we all have stuff going on. So our attitude towards that, it's not just attitude for attitude's sake and diminish it and ignore it or be delusional, right? It's just that is the, this this guy described as one of the areas you can get meaning in. That that makes sense, right? So um, end of life, right? So I've got my mother, 95. And, you know, that's a unique situation. Most of you are younger or, you know, your parents haven't, are maybe only 60 right now, 65, 70. So they got another 25 years to go. So it doesn't even, doesn't even come across your mind. And yet we all know that even a a 15 year old, 16 year old can get in a car accident. And that has a huge impact on us. It's like a wake up call or just it has like an impact on us and then i think this human nature we just kind of forget those things after a while and continue on but when your parents are 95 and you know you have i had my experience with my dad about nine years ago where he was at near his end of his life and at 88 and uh, the caretaker said, basically, uh, I mean, I was visiting one evening. He probably wasn't feeling well in October. And uh, the live-in woman that was helping my mom because he was pretty much bedridden at the time. So you better, you should probably, you better go talk to him now. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. She's been stayed with him for months, so she kind of, and she does this with other people. So I was kind of shocked, like how her intuition, her intuition into things was solid, you know. And um, so I talked to my dad, and that's where I had my fun Roman Catholic experience. Because my, my dad... It was my upbringing. I can't help it. I can't change it. It's okay. It's not bad, good. It is what it is. But uh, he was Roman Catholic his whole life, and my mother was Presbyterian. And my mother's logical brain's like, well, we'll just raise the kid that's Lutheran, because that's kind of like an average between Presbyterian and uh, Presbyterian and Roman Catholicism. <laughs> so uh, that's that. And uh, so I talked to my dad and his words were, I hope I did enough. I just hope I did enough. And he knew he was, I guess he knew that was it. It was like 10, 10.30 in the evening on October 4th. And sure enough, October 5th, early in the morning, maybe five or six in the morning, he passed on, and then I get a call about 6, 37, 
came over to see him. You know, I just saw him a few hours earlier. I kind of chuckled at the I hope I did enough thing. Because I was reminded of First John, you know, that uh, it's chapter 4. And it basically says you, if you uh, acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and came in the flesh, then you have faith. As simple as that. And that, you know, that was written 2,000 years ago. And the Roman Catholic Church probably didn't really get started until, I don't know, two, three hundred A.D. I mean, it's a big organization, right? I don't even know. I haven't even quantified it. But basically, my thought was, you know, it's not a perfect organization. And Jesus didn't come to create organizations anyway. So why do we make such a big deal out of them? And pin and, and you know. There's a, maybe this is an ego and the pride that well, our organization's better than your organization. It's so stupid, the whole thing, right? So now I was a little bit weepy and teary-eyed yesterday for two reasons. Um, one is my mother is, is now, she, she broke her tailbone about 10 days ago. She's in pain. She doesn't want to take pain medicine. Then she does take it, and then she hallucinates and... And just the other day, she's like, well, I think I'm done. I think I'm ready to go. And she's 95. COVID-19, I can't go see her, right? And I'm in town. And I don't know. what. And she's, you know, in a pretty tough spot. So we're trying to work out planning and all the drama and stuff. But most important, importantly, is like I, I had that opportunity. And I'll probably I'll have to share that with my mom today on the phone about how I talked to my dad when he died. And I don't know if that'll, you know, I, 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 this is, uh, for myself and for, if I believe it for myself, then I probably believe it for others is that, um, we're going to, there's a spirit in us and a soul. We have these bodies, right? So the bodies wear out, man. They wear out. Or you get, you know, a physics event, a physics event meaning your your car crashes and you die, or a bullet, or something else gets you, and you're dead, you know. But somehow, you know, mysteriously, there's a uh, spirit, soul, that goes on, and the teachings are we get a new body and new mind and then we fully see the other side whatever that means and that makes sense right i don't fully understand it i don't fully i mean we don't i think that's the mystery part so i hope this podcast is kind of comforting it's a sobering thing and and you don't face it you pretty much only face these discussions when it's personal to your family, right? So like my dad nine years ago and and now my mom. And so I was emotional and it's all related. And how much peace do I have? Got my own journey that I'm on too. And I got my own stressors. And yeah, does that influence me? Does my mom's 
heroic journey or journey influence me? Absolutely. It's going to have an impact on me. And it's going to change a few things. So there's that. And then my wife's two years ago came down with cancer, stage four. And uh, we were blessed to have like a fun trip to Germany and Europe last summer when she was feeling good. But... Morning. Yeah, he's, he's peed on it about, about a thousand times himself, right? Yeah, he's checking to see if anybody else peed on it. Yeah. Oh, you want to check well, me out, but I can't it's check reading you. It's reading the paper. <laughs> they have to read the paper. Yeah, hi there, yeah. sweetie pie. You're a doll. You know you are. You're it's doll. beautiful for June 17th, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Enjoy this weather, yeah. Yeah, enjoy it before it changes. Yeah. Thank you. You too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, my wife's not feeling real good right now. And we've got a couple of doctor visits today, so we'll see how that goes. And we're planning on driving to Flagstaff, which is like a two-hour drive, because we rented a house out today, which is also a stressor to get ready. But we've done it enough now that we're getting better at it, so we'll do that. And yeah, so... Reminds me of this. Uh, so I got the Victor Frankel, who's the meaning to life guy, whose backstory is Jewish guy in a concentration camp and survived. Psychologist from Vienna. Interesting dude. Very famous book. Hey, you might have read it already. Die drei Hauptstraßen. The three main things. The three main things. Right. And I, the other thing I liked from his book was the, that the meaning of life changes, right? So there's this other famous book called The One Thing. The One Thing, which is like, find your one thing and then do that. Well, there's part of that's pretty helpful. But this guy's more realistic, saying like, well, you may have a one thing for a few years, but it may change. Right, especially if you're East German and the Berlin Wall comes down, your one thing, your one desire to get a Trabant is now gone because they're closing the factory. Man, you're gonna have to make corporate jet engines now <laughs> for, for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> you used to make Trabants for the proletariat, I think that's a word. But now you will be making corporate jet engines for Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and quite probably Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. In fact, Warren Buffett owns NetJets, so he's probably got a whole slew of former East German corporate jet engines. Oh, I love that story. I helped make that story a reality, right? Isn't that great? So, um, 
The other Victor. Yeah, the other Victor. Victor Klemperer. Contemporaries. He's Jew. Germany. 1933. Literature professor. Professor. Writer. Or not, I don't, I'm not sure he was a writer, but he taught literature. He's a studier of literature. Uh, he's a man of words, and he's German, right? So Germans are very specific with their language and their vocabulary and how they build words. Zeatifigus Sprache. Very deep language, right? It seems simple on the surface. They simplify things. Very direct. But maybe that leads to better thinking. Dichter, Danker, and something else, which is poets and thinkers, probably philosophers, whatever that is. So, um, Victor Klemperer, another hero, which uh, I might have something in common with, because I've been doing a journal myself. So, he, he basically either separated or started his journal in 1933 when he got kicked out of his job. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of parallels here. <laughs> so, so uh, Victor Klemper started documenting his demise in the uh, Nazi Germany. And uh, morning. So why did he live? You know, why did he, you know, why, why did he live? Well, he was married to a Protestant woman that we don't really find out a lot about her. I mean, I guess I should probably re research her. But uh, I don't think she was a writer. But she was Protestant. She had the stamp in her book, and I think he converted to Catholicism, or I mean, to to uh, Protestant her religion in 1910 or 20 when they got married. Or something. But he, yeah, he was already like in his 50s, so maybe they got married in 1910 if I got it right. And uh, so he's in Dresden, literature professor, and uh, saved by the wife. <laughs> I love that. For you women out there, I think I've mentioned this before. It's I think it's funny. So if you, you know, your husband is giving you our time, you know, just think, you know, you need to read up on Victor Klemper. Because basically, I mean, he didn't write about it in his diaries. I mean, I'm thinking he's on, he's on a dicey situation, as the British would say. Very dicey, right? So... He's under pressure for being Jew, but he's saved from a lot of things because he's married to this Protestant woman. And there's, I don't know, there's maybe 80 or 100 of these Jews in mixed marriages. So they start turning the heat up on him oh, from 33 to 40, 45. So 12 years. Wow. 12 years of oppression. And this guy writing in his diary. It's kind of like me. I write in my diary. It's probably a lot of, um, 
crap in my diary, which I call that he has in his diary too. It's a lot of minutiae stuff about apples and trees that, you know, at the time it's that day. It, uh, it made a lot of sense or something, you know, it's just his daily life. So it's interesting. But do those apples and the trees live on forever? And, uh, Fortunately, because we went back to uh, Dresden last summer, and uh, we were just about to head to Munich, and I said, well, wait a minute, let me use my little smartphone here. Where did this guy live again? He must be, his house must be right here. So it's like, sure enough, we were within like five minutes of his house. Dresden's not that big of a city. And uh, fascinating, drove over to like a residential area looking at his house, they have like a little uh, information table on Victor Klemper. And uh, so for me, it was moving. I mean, my son probably didn't really get it or my wife. Because <laughs> that's just, that's just me, man. I'm into that stuff. But I just stood there. I'm thinking it's 2019. So how many years is that? 45, 55, and 19, 65, like 73 years before, you know. And then it goes back to 33, so it's really more like 80-some years ago. Beautiful house. Someone's living there now, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's where he wrote his diary. And I always get a kick out of... Because I know I've read so much World War II history stuff that I know Dresden's firebombed on February 13th and 14th. So I always get excited when I read his diaries. It's um, I'm looking, okay, so he doesn't know this bombing's coming. And I don't know what the, I actually, I don't know. The first time I read it, I'm like, well, I don't know what happens to the guy, right? I mean, I know the, the book goes on beyond that. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, he must have survived somehow. And for the months leading up to that date, it was the winding down of World War II. And uh, just the, the, the end of World War II basically started in June of 44, the year before, with the uh, D-Day landings. And allies and everybody coming ashore and the Germans in retreat and the Russians were turning up their, their push towards Berlin. So that's June. So by six months later, it's January, February, the, the British and Americans decided to bomb the crap out of Dresden, which many people say, well, it had no military significance, which pretty much is the case. It had political significance. It had emotional significance. So for whatever they did it, they whatever they did. Uh, the good thing that came out of it to me was these 80 or 100 Jews escaped because of that. So, so, so there's some good that came out of it, right? Uh, probably more death that came out of it than good, but there you go. And uh, yeah, so his diary is just very negative. It's very depressing those last few days. So. I think it was like February 10th or 11th. And he's like, they, they forced all these Jewish people into one building. 
with their spouses. And, uh, you know, they talk amongst themselves and like, well, I think we're heading off to the camps. But actuality, the Russians had pushed through Poland far enough that it was kind of like weird at that point. So, I mean, I guess they could have been all gunned down right there locally. So they were on edge, right? And some people were committing suicide, which is, wow, that's very sad. That's how the pressure turns up on people, right? So suicide, wow. That's end of life, right? That's end of life. It's like, what thoughts? I, there's some very deep and dark times in our lives. We'll probably try to not talk about them, especially when we're in them, because there's still those thoughts and ruminations are going on. And so it's very, those are very difficult discussions. And yet reading it in somebody else's life is a little has enough distance to it to consider it. So, yeah. And, and there's, you know, they could have been 70s to 80 years old hanging on there. And, and we do hang on, don't we? I mean, I think of my mother and some of her worries. Uh, a nurse called last night. And she's in an assistant living thing and she even, she just has no concept of some things, right? She's, she's fully covered and any treatment they want to give her, it's, she doesn't have to worry about paying for it, but she does. She says, well, I don't know if I have enough money to do this. You know, it's like, um, don't bring me any aspirin because I don't know if I have enough money for that, like a $3 bottle of aspirin or something silly. And the nurse is you know, notice that too and commented. So I'm getting some feedback, even though I can't be there. So I don't know, it might be the end this week. This might be a Dresden bombing for me. I mean, I don't mean to be cold hearted by that. I just mean to say, we just don't know when the end is, right? And, uh, you know, I might've written in my journal. My journals are probably pretty interesting, by the way. So whenever, not, I don't know if my wife knows, they're all in the cloud. So I probably should do something about that because I've, I've been pretty consistent for seven years now, I think coming up on seven years. So seven, three, 20, probably 2000 entries in seven years. So if I was to measure myself on Klemper scale, I would be. I'm only seven years into a 12-year exciting journey. So, yeah, I got five more years to go. So, if the Lord wills, right? So, we just can't control anything. I mean, I've got a beautiful sky, but does that mean an asteroid couldn't just, like, swoop down on me? I don't know. Anything is possible except for leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible, says the uh, questioner. No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't even say that. I just asked the question. Can we, can we examine what it would take to leave? Like, you know, not saying that we want we we're gonna leave. But let's just find out what it would take. Anybody want to know?
Oh, it's that easy to do that? Oh, okay. Well then, all right. Well, that changes things. Oh, we we don't have to like pay anybody off with hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars like the Presbyterian Church organization makes you do. Oh, okay. Well, that changes things. But to be told, well, that's impossible, Mark. That's impossible from the, that's a Taylor, Texas accent. Unless I'm trying to do a, it's a Tyler, Taylor, Tyler, Taylor, Texas. That's impossible, Mark. <laughs> so if any of you speak Texan, that's what I'm trying to do there. And I love that guy. He's a good dude, but it's just funny how under pressure on stage to respond that way was not a not a great response for a church that says the message is nothing is impossible with God. And then to conclude, well, nothing's impossible except for finding out if you can leave a Christian denomination founded in 1850. Uh, because some people wanted to use the Bible to justify slavery in 1850. As if God, the living God, didn't exist before 1850. You know? And and people, I don't think people realize that. I mean, I mean 1850... It's not like today, people, 2020. It's only 100, who's that, 170 years ago. Yeah, 1850 people. And I could just imagine what it was like. I mean, they had no internet. They had no electronics, like no Bibles, no Word. Word, read the Word. And if they did have the Word, it was in this crunchly paper that's like super thin. I don't know what the hell they printed these things. And then Bobby Sue or Bobby Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe would look at the Bible. She, she here, she here says says that Paul was telling the slaves just to obey your masters. <laughs> so yeah, that denomination has 15 million people in it. And these United States of America. But we love them all. We love those SBC people. But they do need to carry some humility, right? Just like I, I carry the humility. Carry the H. My football team says carry the G, man. Carry the G. Carry the H. Carry the H. That, that's... That's that's podcast title worthy. Carry the H. But uh, let's stick with end of life. So we all face it, folks. I don't know how you know. It's not. I don't want to be a a Donald Downer or a a Dewey Downer or um, what's other another D name? A Dominic Downer. A Dominic Downer. But even though the sunshine several million miles away, ah, I'm pausing. 
it's not too hot out to enjoy a little sunshine this morning. It's just and it's just a few degrees make all the difference. A few degrees. 75 sunshine is okay, but 85 sunshine. Ooh. A little too much, peeps. A little too much, peeps. So end of life. Reminds me of some Black Eyed Peas music. I don't know. I don't know the history behind it, but they've got two albums that came out around 2009, 10, 11. One's like The End. It's just called The End, and then the other one's called like The End of the Beginning or something like that. Some good music in there. It's kind of funky. Kind of funky music. Black Eyed Peas. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of upbeat music at that time. And, uh, so why the end of the beginning, the end of life? Maybe it is the end of the beginning. End of life? End of life? That's maybe a good subtitle for this podcast. How about the end of the beginning? So that might be a good way of looking at the transition to the next next level and I'm I'm just I think that is the cycle of life we I'm philosophizing over things that people have talked about for centuries and maybe five centuries in the future that's why I kind of like my book is kind of funny like right it's like it's time to move on from the last 500 years of Reformation to the next 500 years of transformation. Because most of the religious peddlers love to talk about how, you know, oh, Jesus is coming back imminently. Look at all the bad things happening. Look at the end times. Look at this. Look at that. And I'm basically putting a bold, I'm writing boldly. It's a, it's a bold written book, man. The Six Sola is bold, man. I'm, I'm naming it. Spiritu Ambulatio. Walking in the Spirit. And I'm doing it right now. Like right now, I'm like maximized walking in the Spirit. So when I'm walking Bud, and I'm just walking the dog. I feel like I'm at my best and doing a podcast, right? I feel like I'm really in the spirit in this moment. This moment now of talking to you is, this is my walking in the spirit moment. I don't know what it is for you. you you'll figure it out. Where you're, Because we don't always, we're not always like in the spirit, which we try to be. I want to be. So like when I do the dishes today or blow the leaves and do some chores, which I will do. Um, yeah, I can be in the spirit then. Be loving, be kind. If I run into somebody, right? The end of the beginning, the end of life. So if I adopt Paul's attitude of, it's better to be, you know, to go through the end of life to go through the end of the beginning because the next is better. 
whatever it is. Is that also not abundant thinking and not being scarce? Right? So abundant thinking, yeah. yeah. And end of the beginning, going into the better. So I was going somewhere with that. Where was I going, bud? You wanted to go a different way. Bud, you threw me off a little bit. So you wanted to fruitful labor. That's it. Paul. So this is my fruitful, fruitful labor. So if I really want to turn it up a notch, so I'm already bold because I'm saying, hey, if we keep going for 500 more years, which we might, maybe longer, let's focus on our personal development transformation in the spirit by walking in the spirit and developing fruit. That is the future. It doesn't matter whether it's five days, the next five days, the next 50 days, the next five months, the next five years, the next... 50 years, the next 500 years, next 5,000 years, right? You know, transformation. Star Trek will become a reality, and that's okay. But Star Trek, if you think about it, I don't know if they had a spiritual dude on the Star Trek thing. They had the prime directives, which I kind of like. Prime directive is like, don't interfere with other civilizations, <laughs> which, which I kind of think is fine for today. Even. So why are we, we're not following the prime directive, baby. Uh, that's how I would spin social justice stuff and say like, Hey man, it's the prime directive, man. Don't interfere. But I guess I'm part of that civilization, so I guess I can't cop out like that. But I, maybe I'm just an alien, right? We're an, let me spin it that way. It's like, what does the Bible say that we're not? We're citizens of heaven, so we are kind of like Captain Kirk. All of us. We can we can claim claim the Captain Kirk status of the Prime Directive. That's kind of cool. Kind of like that. Kind of like that idea. Just stay out of it. I'm going to stay out of it, man. The other thing is like, where's the boundary, right? So, where's the boundary? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Morning. Are you in a hurry? Yeah. social <laughs> distancing. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Some social distancing. Stay away from people. Physical. I like. I think the Australians have changed it to physical distancing, which is cool. So there's a couple. They taken it pretty literally, you know. So, 
they're, they're, they're doing that. So for fruitful labor. So my labor is to point people to the sixth sola, which is pointing people to the Holy Spirit, which is analogous to John the Baptist, right? So I'm simply um, naming uh, naming it a bit. And of course, you know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm John the Baptist eating locusts, but in a similar way, really, if I say, what is my calling? It's been, I mean, the Holy Spirit has been there for 2,000 years. It's the whole time. But my point is, we seem to have lost it. Now, those who don't like change, right? There's like, oh, no, you know, yeah, we got the Holy Spirit. We're going to shake the little tin can with smoke and wear the robes and do the ceremony. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit is holding dog poop in blue bags and the sun shining on you and someone walks by really fast on some stone and you say, Hey, you know, you're in a hurry. It's like not even seven in the morning, you know, but scared social distancing, man. That's the Holy spirit right there. And so I'm just pointing to it. I'm just the guide to the guide. So will people embrace embrace it? Is God and the Holy Spirit just a funnel? Just another funnel? Like, you know, I'll put the message out there and see who responds. I think the writing code said something like, when the teacher is ready or, or when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> I think, I think that's uh, probably quite appropriate. And it's very spiritual, isn't it? So I can support that concept. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's probably some, some uh, quote from, what was it, the Karate Kid or something, right? Something deeply spiritual. And why not? Why couldn't Karate Kid? be deeply spiritual, right? So I'm transforming. I'm ex- I'm thinking of Imago Dei. All of us made in the image of God. All of us carry the image of God. So let's love one another and not try to reform people into our narrow structures. So I don't know what that, you know, I'm, I probably have to get comfortable with um, people who want to stay in their bucket, the crab mentality bucket. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, start an insurrection against organized religion or anything. Because they tried that. 500 years ago, it didn't, hasn't really worked out that well, has it? In fact, I, I kind of like the Roman Catholic Church. I've had a newfound respect for it in the last couple of years because they don't, they don't really have these celebrity 
pastors. For some reason, the Protestants love our vision casters and our emotional dudes. Come get a injection of the the spirit or no spirit by coming to a shouter dude or a guy that shouts with the right amount of enthusiasm that resonates with you. So that's your uh, that's your deal. But it's the daily, the 24-7, the 365, spiritual walk, trans- personal transformation, getting better, learning to communicate better, right? And what are you doing, bud? Can we go home? We're almost there. Uh, it's getting a little warm. Got stuff to do, bud. Not Not a lot of time to do it. And mommy doesn't like us spending too much time out here, bud. Okay. Even though I love the podcast. So we're uh, 45 minutes into it. Yeah, this is a long one. It's worth it. The subject's worth it, right? End of life. The end of the beginning. So we're in the beginning. How do we deal with our beginning and end of it? And, uh, There's some folks who have been standing out on the road here, but now they're moving on. Not sure what they're, looks like I don't have to engage with them. (laughs) I would engage with them if we were together, but they're about 60 yards away and they're walking away now. So if I did engage, I think it's time to shut it down. Shut the podcast down. So, um, even though I'm not gonna, doesn't look like I'm gonna engage with them. So, yeah, I mean, Soren Kierkegaard, another one, another expression I really like is life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forward. And unfortunately, my the company that let me go seven years ago, I was not real happy about that. But they're letting go a lot of people now, so I'm probably I'm I know I'm in a much better mental state than if I had kind of struggled to hang into a position. Now I don't know what could would have happened. I just don't know. I mean, maybe I would have I would have had to have moved to something else, maybe a better thing in the last seven years, but it could have been just a delayed disaster, right? So delayed disaster. So I talked to someone last night that got in about a year and a half ago and now is gone. So, I mean, that's what these big corps do is like, you know, you bring in some people and you let them go. If they haven't been there for 20 years and they, they let the early guys out, it's just the way it is. And so the trick is to hang in there and not piss anybody off, but that's not easy for me to do. Sorry. <laughs> Again, it's 90% smart, 10% ass. But they, I mean, some people can't deal with the 
the ratios. Yeah, I think that's a pretty high ratio. And uh, but then again, boundaries and I don't know what the term would be for it. Even my 90% smart is probably like smarter than some people's 100% smart. So that's a good thing. But then because I was such a big personality, my 10% ass is also perceived maybe as 100% ass from somebody else. So anyway, I can define it as 90-10 and perception is reality, man, for others. So we don't want to be around people that don't love us, right? I mean, I, I like the love everyone always thing, but that is also a a goal that may never be achieved. And I think it's a worthy goal and have in front of us, love everyone always. So I think it's worthy of pursuing. And it's also abundant thinking versus scarcity, right? So there you go, folks. We're about home. And I will close this podcast up. Super long podcast. But I kind of had a lot to say today. And there's also a lot of drama. It's It could be like February 11th in Dresden right now in my life. And that's probably what the leaving thought is. I mean, you can study up on this history if you want. I like it. But it, you might, you have your February 11th, 12th days in our lives that, that look desperate. I've had several. And, and then something changes. Suddenly, boom. The British bomb the shit out of your city. <laughs> and you escape. Wonderful. And Kemp Klemperer survived World War II because of that bombing. I think he lived another 10 to 15 years, maybe 15 years after that. So, yeah, we're home. Bud's home. And I got stuff to do. So, enjoy whatever you're doing. And uh, you probably know some people that are closer to end in life than you are. But you never know. You could be. So let's all walk in the spirit, have some peace, joy, and love as we go. And I appreciate you listening today. So bye-bye. Oh, Grace and mercy leading to some peace. Okay, we all need that today. Amen.